this is the show. Welcome forward to a grand party. With me, your host, a grand party. What is this show? This show is my attempt to stay sane by talking to people, talking to friends, talking to you, the listener, probably literally, in the sense that if you are listening, you are probably going to be on this show at some point. I can't imagine how any algorithm would bring any potential listener here other than knowing me immediately. So in which case, if you are listening, odds are we do know each other in some form. How you doing? What's going on? Are you hanging in there? Are you struggling? Uh, it's been a sincere struggle. There's no like putting a happy, <laughs> I'm still even kind of putting a happy little pretend face. I'm like, no, it's fine. Oh man, at the beginning of the uh, lockdown of, of uh, beginning in March, obviously of 2020, I was like, oh boy, was I cocky at first because I'd been working from home for a while. So I was like, ah, see, I told you guys this is hard, but I've already got it. I've already got it figured out. I already know how to deal with the immense, deep loneliness because guys, I was already lonely. <laughs> I was being, my, my mentality was like the obnoxious hipster version of loneliness. Oh yeah, I liked being lonely before it was a big pandemic. That's what I was doing. Uh, but no, I was kidding myself. Um, particularly as time has gone on, the importance of just talking with people on the phone, uh, just catching up, just chatting, just shooting the breeze has become a huge thing for my mental health. So I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm doing this for my own well-being. I'm, it is a therapeutic exercise. In addition to, had therapy earlier today, doing therapy. I'm taking the therapy seriously. My therapist recommends doing this. I mean, I, I said I was kind of thinking about it. Blame Grant's therapist if you don't like this, but there's no way that you're listening to this and not at least, you know, you're wanting to like it. You don't click something not wanting to like it. So I'm assuming that you're here wanting to like it. And you will, because my voice sounds really nice. And my friend with me today also has a really nice voice. And if you're listening, then you probably actually know Daniel. So to introduce Daniel to you, it's it's introducing it to the larger you. Um, Daniel Antonio Barron has been a friend of mine and the LA comedy scene for years and years. Can't recall the first time we met, but uh, I do know that I, when I've, I think we be became closer friends when I was doing the show with Allie Gertz uh, in downtown LA at a art studio where it was a uh, music and stand-up hybrid. I remember maybe Daniel lived around there. In any case, Daniel's a writer and an advocate uh, for the local art and music and film scene in Los Angeles. He's a friend and uh, a creator and just a, a great guy. I think we've also become more friendly in uh, the pandemic times, right? I mean, I think there's no getting around that. I'm unmuting Daniel's mic now because, uh, you know, I think this is, I'm going to find a cleaner way to just properly introduce people. But I, each time it starts to feel a little formal, I, then I'm trying to, because this is also going to be unedited, uh, which I've been saying each time of purely just because if I start editing it, I think I might just nitpick everything. Um, I, and and more so, I think there's an appeal to the uh, 
to just the rawness of it. I it seems to me listening to podcasts that I don't necessarily need to hear the same celebrity coming coming up story. Uh, it's less important to me than just the camaraderie between the guests. And I just want camaraderie and friendship in my own life. So that's, again, these are my, just telling you my motivations straight up so that we can get into this relationship with honesty. And speaking of honesty, um, honestly, Daniel, are you still there? What's going on? How are you? Hello. How are you? Hello, listeners in 2022. <laughs> you think um, you think in 2022 is when people are going to find this? Well, yeah, I mean, this is for the people who I should clarify the people who don't know Grant in 2022, who are like me when they're like, like with me with the Doughboys currently, we're just going through the backlog and you're just time tr- hurtling through time through like years and months in the span of weeks. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, this is a time capsule in a certain sense. So, uh, with that in mind, it is Tuesday, January 12th. And this one, this one we're recording in the afternoon. Uh, so the impeachment is happening in, in real time. They're voting for, uh, impeachment. Is that what you were doing, uh, today? Are you watching this? We were talking about it like just a second ago. Yeah. You know, on and off, you know, one, one must pace themselves. Yeah. Uh, what are you doing, Daniel? What's uh What's going on today? How are you doing? How's it feeling? What's going on, man? You know, I mean, as I warned you for, like, I needed to take a nap before this, and it doesn't see. I know I'm not at all original in this, but it seems like I will never have a consistent sleep schedule again. You know, it's just it's microdosing sleep for like two hours here and there. You have a pretty unusual sleep schedule. I don't think I have a very usual sleep schedule. In fact, it's gotten. Re, it has been re, there was a period of time where I was 100% doing vampire hours because I was either not working or working on things that just had deadlines. So it sort of didn't, I wasn't like necessarily clocking in during the day. But you're, you actually seem like you have a really healthy sleep schedule. It's just very unusual because you wake up at like the Mark Wahlberg hour. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then I just work out all day like him. I mean, you kind of do, right? Like, isn't that your, like, what, tell, what's your actual sleep schedule? You go to sleep relatively early, but you wake up also. I have to do this tomorrow. I just committed to giving my neighbor a ride to her new job. She doesn't have a car. She said she needs a ride. It needs to be in Gardena uh, by 530. So it's a little bit of a drive. And I don't usually wake up that, but I'm committing to doing it because I want to help. I've been, and and I think getting up when it's still like dark out, I think that's just what I like. I like those midnight, I like that post midnight between 6 a.m., but I only know one way to get there. So I guess I'm going to try getting in there starting tomorrow and we'll see. And I, I mean, I'm committing to tomorrow, but like further than that, I'm just, I've been late, man, my whole life. <laughs> I'm late to starting this podcast. I, I wanted to start doing something in 2013. So the listeners in 2022 could have been the listeners in 2018. I don't know. Also the last four years, especially have felt like a very weird time uh lapse of obviously but um i'm i'm curious to hear about your your sleep schedule and just how you're how you're living in general too well you just maybe wonder like what are days at all anymore when so many people are not working or work from home right now and your sleep schedules are being disrupted and then everyone's just being you know electrocuted with trauma constantly that will linger for many years it's just hard for me to imagine. It's just hard for me to imagine a world in which sleep schedules go back to normal for a lot of people. 
Yeah. I mean, this is the only time I can think of in my life where I can wake up in the middle of the night and reliably find a lot of my friends on Twitter. Yeah, Twitter's nonstop and night Twitter. But wait, hold on. What is? Tell me your actual. Let's compare our actual. Like, you well, have a good. I, do you agree? That, I think you have a good, healthy one. You could. I, I mean, if we're talking about pre-COVID uh, pandemic, um, I would probably go to bed around midnight or between between eleven to one a.m. And then I would usually wake up between five and seven a.m. I just cannot stay up past eight a.m. Like you can't, you can't sleep in past 8 a.m. is what you're yeah, saying. I, I, I feel very depressed if I do. Yeah. I I have spent way too many days where I'm not really getting out of bed until 10, noon, like of, of just kind of going back to sleep, looking at the phone, just in, I'm talking about when like the depression is pretty rough, like I can stay. But what you were telling me, all right, so then I'll just correct me if I'm wrong, is like that you've been going to sleep more around like eight or nine and then waking up at like three. Yeah. And then usually by the time most people are just finishing their morning coffee, I'm like, well, I've been up for five hours so I can take a nap now. Cause I always, cause I would get, I would like wake up at seven or something and see texts. I was like, what, how did I miss texts from Daniel at 4am? And I was always wondering whether that was you staying up till 4am or no, that was you after you've been, or, you know, you know, like I, I often, um, you know, I, I have a lot of nightmares lately, so I'll, I'll wake up from those a lot or, you know, or, yeah. from, or anxiety or anxiety plus drinking a lot of water will mean I need to get up to pee a lot. So sometimes like in those brief uh, windows of being awake, I'll send a quick text or answer a text. Yeah. I, w- I, w- I when I was staying up all night, I was sending texts late at night, kind of knowing that people wouldn't get them till the morning. I mean, fully knowing generally i think that's Uh, totally normal some people get really ornery about it like they think that you expected them to drop everything at three in the morning or that like or some people like they they have the sound on so you woke me up and like well then god i mean yeah i've had i don't know know what to tell you i for me i changed the behavior of of i to me it doesn't bother me i personally keep the phone uh, off you know, or, or rather on, on complete silence. So it's sort of almost nice. To, my thinking is like, Oh, this is a nice thing to wake up to. I'm going to just share like this. I'm up late. Oh, here's a song that is awesome. You guys should listen to this song, like kind of, uh, you know, or like a movie recommendation of like, or whatever. Well, just we're, just yeah, text. I mean, but I'm well, not trying to wake somebody up, but that is how some people have the phone. So for me, I was like, I, I will text less. If I'm sleeping and I hear that rumble on my bedstand, I'm like, ooh, I have a present waiting for me when I wake up. I turn the rumble off even. No rumble. No, I, I don't need any incentive. The phone gives you so many incentives to look at it. It's already a given phone. I'm going to look at you. So I, I try to keep my notifications, at least in terms of sound and noise, off. But then you turn it on and you see that you've got some stuff to scroll through. I just think imagine being such a baby that – you need to pick a fight with someone over like texting them in the middle of the night and the, and the rumble waking them up. Yeah. What have you been, uh, what have you been playing or watching lately? Usually, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm definitely in a, uh, candy diet and not ashamed of it. So just watching a lot of cartoons, like, like, you know, um, 
Brody Reed inspired me to like watch all of One Piece, which is like 900 plus episodes. So wait, you uh, already watched all of One Piece? No, no, no. I'm like 55 episodes in, so I've only got oh, like no. eight, 850 to go. <laughs> are you watching on? What are you watching on Hulu? Is that on uh, Netflix? I'm, I'm watching. Well, Netflix is like the first 130 episodes, and then okay, I'll probably have to subscribe to like Crunchyroll or Funimation or wherever you find the rest of them too. But I, I'm enjoying that, and it is. There is a, a night like it's like the thing that can never let you down because it seems impossible that it'll ever catch up on that show. I've, I've, uh, it feels very much yeah. like a JRPG to me. So I know it's, it's about a treasure hunter kid. It has a huge fandom. I feel like I've, it, for something that's been around for so long, I feel like I've only started hearing about it in the last couple of years. That's just my own awareness of it. Yeah, so it, it is the it beat Dragon Ball as the highest selling manga ever in Japan. Mm-hmm. And when uh, I was waffling over whether to watch it, Brody told me, let me put it this way. When you Google anime, it's the first thing that comes up. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely, you, it's definitely in that me, shonen, I'm, I'm curious that, about it. I'm well, it's curious about that, it. It's in that shonen manga mold, but if you don't know, it means like young boys manga, like all, like usually most of the anime that has crossover appeal or that you hear of even uh, as an anime agnostic like Naruto or Dragon Ball or things that started in the pages of Shonen Jump, including One Piece. And typically they just revolve around, you know, I, I, I liken them to the uh, Japanese equivalent of American superhero comics. I think they're just as formulaic in that way. Yeah, I can um, see that. You know, uh, like they have their own tropes that they abide, seem to consistently abide by. But, you know, it's just about travelers learning new special moves, like fighting a po- stronger opponents and almost losing then rebounding. And uh, that's I what just, I liked about it. And, and honestly, that's true of most. It's very, much like, re- it's very much like wrestling uh, from what I yeah. understand. I'm not a wrestling fan, but it seems like people like them for the same reasons. The video game comparison seems spot on to me, and, and it seems sort of obvious, I guess, as well, because a lot of the Japanese developers of, uh, you know, particularly like Nintendo games are like, especially when video games as a whole were dominated by entirely Japanese-based studios, they're pulling from their favorite manga. But it's interesting, the relationship between the uh, between the two, or that's what I've, anyway, that's what I've just liked about it is I kind of like when, like uh, the Mandalorian is an example of something that just feels like a video game. Sorry about this helicopter. We live in a police state. You can definitely hear this uh, helicopter. We're starting to talk about. They're coming for it. Uh, no, everybody's dying. So there's constantly sirens and have some, uh, have some fun. It's the Robo Police coming in to to round up uh, people for internment camps. Oh boy, that also sounds like the you know an anime plot line. Yeah. Put, putting, um, putting, putting a sci-fi twist on it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Just a little sci-fi twist. I watched a, I watched a fair amount of uh, Naruto. I was also getting into some of the like sports academic ones. Like there was, there's a number of anime that I was watching on Hulu that are just like the story of, uh, you know, like a boys volleyball team. I love, I love you can just make anime about anything like about, yeah. 
And but it still know, feels like a video game, though. Like, it's exactly what you're talking about. Like, it feels like, oh, this is this kid. He wants to be the best volleyball player in the world. But, of course, you know, there's a rival. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, there's, there's all these sort of archetypal characters there. And it's just – but each episode is just about him leveling up. And that was the same of what I've seen of Dragon Ball and Naruto. It's, it's, yeah, and, and One Piece, it's about, like, someone who wants to be king of the pirates and how he's built, going from town to town building his crew, and which feels a lot like building out your party in, like, a Final Fantasy game. Yeah, it definitely Japanese animation seems to do have a better pace too of like not introducing every main character in the first episode, whereas that's the expectation for American animation. Yeah, like the the of the five principal characters, like you don't meet the fifth crew member until like 26 episodes in. I've been working in on this animated uh, show idea and it's and it's tricky to try because I want it. It's there's the desire to want to do the comic book and manga and anime style storytelling, but it's it's also such a strange thing in in that uh, I, I mean I just feel like more stories benefit from that approach. And again, like the Mandalorian was uh, was great at that. What I'm watching too that reminds me of video games uh, now is uh, Alice in Borderland on uh, Netflix. Have you caught any of it? No, very I good. Heard, I, I haven't even heard of it. I think you'd like it. Yeah, it's uh, it's like it's the it's sort of a it's a thriller horror, very violent show Japanese made. And it's like they're it's they're trapped in like a series of kind of almost saw or black mirror type of puzzles. And each each episode is like a new game that they have to play to get out of to avoid dying. And this Um, is live action. Yeah, live action with like that. I mean, you, you know, there's a lot of like cool parkour action and like just the cinematography of things, the staging of things. It's very visceral and very exciting. And it feels like a great video game. It feels like you're playing like uh, it, it, it almost kind of feels like a battle Royale uh, sort of TV show, not quite like battle Royale, the the movie or the, the book or the series, but just that now as it's been, kind of recreated in the video game space it feels a bit like that not quite one versus a hundred but but a similar sort of i don't know did anyone anyone turn you on to that show or did you just stumble upon it or what kind of just stumbled upon it also uh ashlyn my wife has sort of a more of a taste for things that are she has i I don't really like a lot of horror stuff i don't like things with a ton of violence actually really she's yeah, she's a little more i know you this is something where our tastes differ because our our taste i'm a a total gorehound so yeah, you're really into horror movies. I've never been able to cross that. What is it about horror movies that you like? Uh, you know, and, and I wasn't even one of those pe- people I know who had parents that didn't set limits and would show their kids movies when they were five. Like, I actually grew up being conditioned to hate horror movies for my mom and was shamed for, you know, seeing R-rated movies, which, you know, my dad would let our my sister and I see despite my mom um after they divorced but um yeah i i i i remember seeing bits and pieces of the shining and poltergeist when i was a kid and them freaking me the fuck out but i was always curious about horror and you know like i remember reading the alvin schwartz comp like horror compilations as a kid you know the scary stories that tell in the dark i love that and and the one that had the green ribbon in it um so I think that really seeded my interest in horror. Like, I like things that were creepy and weird. I always liked monsters. Uh, you know, in, in Star Wars, I always latched on in particular to the cantina scene in Jabba's Palace um, mm. 
feel like Jabba had a special place in my mind because he just seemed so lifelike to me. Um, but I think it was really after I got out of high school and I was living alone uh, and I had no friends and this is, I was living in the Valley and I would just go to the horror section of Blockbuster and just go through their horror section. And I think, uh, you know, my therapist explained to me that she has a lot of patients who suffer from trauma or depression or anxiety who are really into horror. And that's something mm. about, and you know, I think that's something, uh, bears out with me and a lot of people I know. And I, I just wonder if it is a kind of like a, a kind of like, discomfort that you place yourself in and you can take yourself out of or uh, so it's comforting that in the same way like when i've heard explanations of like bdsm lifestyles and like how pe- people who are physically or emotionally abused can like control the abuse and when it does and doesn't happen and that's why it has that appeal for them and it gives them that kind of uh, agency and like oh that makes sense and maybe it's something similar for me liking horror you know that makes a lot of sense and yeah i've heard uh, I, I mean, I've, I've heard sort of Ashland say similar things and I, have sort of, that, that all makes uh sense. I feel like I like horror in the, in the abstract. Uh, I can definitely see how it is helpful in, in, because she also really likes the, uh, I think it's common. I mean, a lot of people like the, uh, like the true crime and murder stuff mm-hmm. for me, for me, I'm just kind of like, I, I, it just sort of, I guess I just don't, because I, I like it all theoretically. Like I, I see the argument for it and, and I'm I'm not against it. I wish I liked horror more even or had, or was maybe even a little less squeamish on intense violence. Have you um, seen, what, which horror movies were too much for you that kind of, because I find a lot of people I know that I got into horror were like me at one point where they they imagined they were so awful in their mind when they watched them like well I, that wasn't as gross as I thought it was going to be or oh this is actually fun. Come to think of it, I've liked quite a bit more horror than I've disliked. Although I think what I like is a lot of it. Like I, I like I like when there's a good sense of removal. I hate the ones the ones that I've hated the most were, uh, Wolf's Creek and Human Centipede, where I was just so tense and uncomfortable the whole time that it wasn't enjoyable. But I really really think those are just ugly and nihilistic and they're just made by white edgelords uh, who just have nothing to say. Like, can you believe this shit happens? There's a lot of, there's a definitely a strain of horror that to me feels like a way to act out really like racist shit in particular. I feel like I've often like seen like, Hey, have you ever seen like this crazy, Oh my gosh, this crazy old horror movie. Um, and you watch and it's like, this kind of just seems like a fantasy to just go around with a, a, a weapon and kill either like, you know, basically just killing any sort of vision of the liberal America. It seems like sort of a, I, I haven't seen also the, uh, so I'm judging from a place of not seeing, but part of what keeps me from wanting to really even want to get in on board with the purge is it seems a little bit of the same thing there. It seems like a fantasy that people really have and kind of want to indulge in is just like running around in a crazy mob, killing people, even though the movie obviously puts you in the position of being, I would imagine being the one, you know, afraid and, mm-hmm. and so forth. But uh, I don't know. There's, but on the other hand, I've loved, like, it's been so fun. You, I, I think of times uh, of just uh, the Halloween marathons, Halloween and the uh, Friday the 13th marathons, watching those with uh, roommates and friends 
always great. Halloween three is so goofy. Like when there's like the, the little bit of the goofiness, the goofiness can be, you know, it's so difficult. Uh, it follows, I thought was amazing. Um, in the way that it sort of balanced a sort of sense of humor within it. Other times I find that, uh, like, I think a lot of people liked or responded to Midsummer, uh, which I liked okay, although it felt like, I don't know. Again, it's, the, it's like, I like it in the abstract. I like the argument for it. In the moment, it's like, this is a very long movie. And it's really, you know, I, I think a lot of people with Midsummer in particular were very much like, I mean, I saw some of these people in the theater being like, you know, that's you in terms of the, the boyfriend character, in terms of one who's like not recognizing her trauma at all. Her family dies and he's just like, well, how does, how does this relate to me? And there's a lot of people that have sort of that kind of, that, that sort of mindset. So I think there's like that level of connection that, that can make things I don't really know what I'm saying. I'm, I guess I'm just trying to give justification for why I feel like I don't like this thing that I think I should like more, but just generally haven't. I actually find all this very encouraging, Grant, because the movies that you dismissed are movies that I'm not that into, and I love uh, It Follows. Mm. So oh, I- and you know, that's right. We talked about uh, this director uh, it, over text, didn't we? Right, because uh, you Silver Lake. That's right. I I recommended it, which which also sort of feels a bit horror or the kind of horror that I like. Uh, a little bit, like with that woman in the was she wearing like a what mask was she wearing again? It's, I already forget. I feel like it's it's horror, maybe in the way it's it reminds me of Jordan Peele, the social thriller type of movie where the the horror of it is the way in which it is a true reflection of us and our role in society um in under the silver lake it's a pretty horribly scathing condemnation of um of of la culture of 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 white culture of you know of of um but of uh, but the whole thing the whole the whole capitalist system of, of a fantasy of wanting to you know, wanting to succeed and have the excesses of success and sort of for what, to what end goal and the way in which on such a climb to that, you have to dehumanize so many people as to being less than you is something that's just baked into everybody's collective psyche by, you know, it's not even your choice. These are just ideas that are given to you as like, well, in order to make something of yourself, you're going to have to be better than other people. But why, you know, why, why do you have to be better than anyone? And in what way and what does that mean in a really practical sense? And in a really practical sense, it's quite ugly. Um, and the Neon Demon is another uh, horror movie that I, that I was, that I vibed with. I feel like when I, when I understand the sort of point of the horror, I tend to find myself more on board. And when it seems really just nihilistic and like, wouldn't it be crazy if you had a fucking knife shoved into your butt? Well, it, it seems like you and me uh, are pretty much aligned in terms of what we want out of it. So I, I'm certain that you're a huge horror fan. You just haven't seen the right stuff yet. Also, to backtrack, I am obsessed with Halloween 3. And I know we like a lot of those cult movies that are sort of those vanity projects gone horribly wrong. 
art movies that seem to have been directed by aliens or like by a foreigner with like a vague concept of what an American movie is supposed to be. Outsider art. And and there are a ton of horror movies that fit that mold that you would eat right up. Hell yeah. All right. Yeah. I like your prescription. I like that. Um, Yeah. Sign me up for a, uh, I'm I'm down for any recommendation. (laughs) What's it? What is it? Well, I was so excited because, did you say death spa? Yeah. As in a spa of death, where you would think it would be a relaxing place, a spa, but here's the twist, death. Exactly. The twist comes first. Death, here's the twist. It's at a place where you'd feel comfortable, spa. Death. Yeah, well, I mean, if, you, if you've seen the movie, I, I would suggest you just type in death spa and Google image search right now, and you'll see the poster, and you'll wonder if the movie could possibly live up to it, and spoiler, it does. Okay. All right. You've been, you've been, I, I want to, I, uh, uh, all right, let me bring up death spa. You listen to quite a bit more podcasts than I do too. I, I, I feel like, you know, all the cool stuff cause you're listening to, um, we'll just go ahead and shout out Brody Reed's podcast and, uh, dark, Views weeb. From the Pot, dark weeb. Yeah. I've listened to dark weeb and enjoyed it. Views from and the Vista. Views from the Vista listened, enjoyed all that, uh, Okay, here we go. Oh, wow. It should it, really more accurately be called Death Gym. You'll sweat blood. This looks great. And what well, you're I, seeing on it is you've got the Death Spa in a uh, in a serif font with a red underline, white text. Looks like it could be the cover of any sort of, what, 70s, 80s era horror novel with the, with the drop P to look like a knife. But mostly... It's a hot babe with a horrifying death face, a skeleton face with an eye. And then there's a man. Oh, this is fun. A big old buff beefcake with his heart literally getting torn out. And he's tied up to a, a uh, it kind of looks like, oh boy, I should know the name of that machine. Where you work your pecs and you like yeah. move your, your forearms in and, in and out, you know? Yeah. The chest machine. You know what I'm talking about? The chest machine. Uh, but I guess maybe they have those at spas. I I, I thought it was no, spas. I, I, as someone who's seen the movie multiple times, it is a gym. Mm. Uh, it should be called Death Gym. Got it. It's a haunted gym or spa, if if you want to call it that. And it's a, it's a huge issue because the um they can't close down the gym because the New Year's Eve party is about to happen, which for some reason, and for some reason, this gym is the happening place to be. That's, I mean, I guess, boy, that ages well. That's true of COVID. They just can't close the gyms. Or wait, I don't even remember if it's New Year's Eve because they have costumes, if I remember. So I think it's actually like a Halloween party. But either way, I've never had a party at a fucking gym. Yeah, that's some very strange, like, it seems like they wrote the, the that idea around having a gym, or rather, it seems like they had an idea that they were not willing to let go of, even though they could only film in a gym. Well, hey guys, we can only film in a gym. I think maybe we should cut this whole thing about it being a a birthday party or a New Year's Eve party. No, no, no. It's got to be a party, otherwise the story doesn't work. It doesn't matter where it's set, as long as there's a party. Are you sure? Because we've got a lot of death related gags and uh, and kills and stuff. That it's going to be very gym. It's by the nature of what we have. Got to be a party. Otherwise, why are all the people there? Uh, well, mixed into the special sauce that makes this such an, an enduring cult classic is the fact that the main character is a uh, gym manager and they cast a non-actor who is a real life gym manager 
because of the experience they thought he would bring to the role. It worked for Harrison Ford. Why couldn't lightning strike twice with Despot? When did he play a carpenter? Uh, good point. He hasn't played a carpenter, but he's, he looks like a guy who works with his hands. So, I mean, also he's that, that unreleased Jesus movie that he did. Yeah, remember when he was uh, he was in there in uh, before uh, what's his name Caviezel? Yeah, he's just like. Uh... <laughs> yeah he's <laughs> you do a pretty good Harrison Ford actually that's pretty, that pretty good okay yeah you gotta yeah if you get that right right sort of I can't I mine gets into like Ed Asner territory it was like it is, eh. it is, it's not hard for me to find that place within myself I can assure you yeah that level of just exhaustion can you see us in the back in Montana? <laughs> so where's uh, one thing to, yeah, I go Nixon. Like I'm going to try, let's just try his famous line. I, I think yours is going to be better. It's uh, it's one thing to, uh, it's one thing to write this shit, George. It's another thing to have to say it. That's so, not, that's not Harrison like, Ford at all. Or it's like, you can write this, George, you sure as shit can't say it. Something that, about that, that, the that was, slur in there where you're able to, that was, my friend, you've got a gift. My <laughs> friend, you've got a gift. I don't know if you knew this about yourself before, but you do hands down probably the best Harrison Ford impression I've ever heard. Thank you. Well, I, I mean, I, I do. I got to get these in, in my pocket for when I start potting and I can just have like a morning zoo sort of um, ongoing characters. We're like, oh, oh what, 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 what? Who's in the Harrison Ford's joining us? Hey, Dan. Yes, I uh, uh, keep going. Oh, uh, I'm trying to be Harrison Ford, but uh, I'm uh, President Richard uh, Nixon, apparently. Well, I Michael Caine. I, I can do Michael Caine. I can mm-hmm. sort of do. She was. She was. I mean, sixteen years old. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's straight up from the uh, the what is it called the trip? The trip. Yeah, you sure? I don't need to buy the bloody dogs up. Oh fuck, my my voice cracked there. I like your teenage Michael Caine. Bloody dogs off. Uh, well, wh- I, I always thought because the Transformers movies are so aggressively fascist and Republican. Yeah. And, uh, and very heavily script doctored by the DOD and everybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, there's a list. There's a giant list online of like every movie in which the Department of Defense has uh, been credited but they I, did they have they signed off on recent Marvel movies because I know they didn't on some of the earlier ones like the Avengers, but but I remember like they were ads for the air or the army in front of like Captain Marvel, which seems weird, bizarrely like kind of pro military. They're on Guardians of the Galaxy, I remember. They're on Iron Man. Um, they're on a fair amount, and not every single surprisingly Marvel movie. I'll tell you that these maybe we, maybe we've even talked about this little pet opinion of mine. But one of the reasons I really don't like the Disney Spider-Man movies is how strangely pro-military uh, he's become. Where I've always sort of seen, and he's very friendly with police as well in uh, in the PlayStation Four game. Although I feel like my Peter Parker, the, or at least the one that feels truer to me, of the uh, the Lee Ditko one or the Brian Michael Bendis one was it was much more like aggressively outsider and not part of any kind of club but the recent particularly the recent disney movies is are just like he's so excited he's a kid with the entire you know with all 
the all the drone uh, software uh, that a kid could dream of. That's yeah. like the new Spider-Man. So it's, like, like, it's, it's like he made it to the end of Willy Wonka's tour and he got a weapons defense system. That's exactly it. Yeah. Instead of him being like a Robin Hood type figure, he's now blank check kid with the Department of Defense. Exactly. But so, but so you know, those Transformers movies are, are so morally ugly that like I would sometimes among friends like to slip into alt-right Optimus as a character. Yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, with the Peter Cullen voice, like, you know, Megatron be like, the, like, the humans don't matter. And he's like, wrong, Megatron, all lives matter. <laughs> yes. It's about ethics and gaming journalism. Master Wayne, I have raised you since you were a baby. And now I see you out there. I can't do it. I can't say black lives matter when i know master wayne all lives matter all lives matter master wayne black drones matter drone life matters master wayne that's um yeah all right (laughs) it's just just slipping in like a little bit of uh all right propaganda to see if you notice Uh, who's who's next on the uh open mic lineup Uh, yeah. Who, who, what else have you got there in the bag? What else, who else have you got? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, but like, so you know, I, just, I, I you, said morning, you said morning zoo and I, and I can't stop playing with the like little, um, there's just the basic dr- piano, dramatic piano and, uh, drums. There's also this ballpark, but, which is extremely morning zoo, which is just yeah. like, all right, we've got a, uh, we've got a new caller. Number nine is going to win a couple of tickets to go see stained tonight. Yeah. Who wants to see stained at the 76 gas station over on 16th and third. Uh, caller nine. You're going to have fun. You're going you're to have fun with those in this show. I just know it. Yeah, I mean, I think just these alone are. That's all you need: dramatic piano, drums, and ballpark sound. That's that's it. Thanks, ZenCaster, broadcasting at it. How do you like this browser-based uh, ZenCaster? It seems pretty solid to me. Yeah, it's, it's it's fun. This is actually the second time I've done this. I did this with uh, the Dark Weeb. Oh, awesome! Hell yeah! All right, that makes me feel. Did you recommend this to me? No, the dark, the no, dark no not not Dark Weeb. ZenCaster. ZenCaster. It was uh, I think it was it was my buddy Mike. Mike Neeson, who also provided the uh, yeah talk intro. time. I I, I, uh, I was wondering if you knew him when I heard that because I know he's around the comedy scene. Boy, you know what I forgot to do this time? How I screwed up the intros? I didn't already. I, I forget if I credited it. I can't you, remember if I said you, it now. You didn't. Oh my god! Thank you. Music provided by Talk Time, and the one that uh, opened us up today was called Year of Self from their uh, EP. Talk time is the band. Yes. Uh, credited each time in these episodes. You know what I was thinking more so is I was like, all right, I got to remember to just sort of start with momentum. I listened back to the other two episodes and there's I'm speaking very slowly. I'm trying to remember when I did work in radio back in Toledo, Ohio, there was, you got to keep the voice a little, little faster than feels normal. Otherwise it reads as very, very slow. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just a preview of my inner monologue, but, uh, thank you. And sorry, Mike, but yeah, talk time. They, so, they rock. So, yeah. Have you seen him play live? 
I sure have. <clears throat> I sure have. Uh, got some merch. Got a tee that I love, part of the regular t-shirt rotation. Um, yeah, they're great guys. And uh, genuinely, I just like their music. Like it's, I, it's nice because um, with music, I feel like there's a little bit of separation between the art and the artist. To me, Talk Time and my friendship with Mike are quite different entities, um, which is nice. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's just some, like, particularly because they're instrumentals and just kind of have them on and feel good. They got a good vibe. Anytime I start talking about good vibes is when the helicopter noises start coming in. So I don't want to say this is all about me, but I haven't asked you a question in a while. Have I? Yeah, but give it a sci-fi twist and it becomes. It becomes exactly that, but they're robots. Yeah. And... I was say like the gyro robots. Yeah. Um, you've been playing any, I don't know. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, did you cut things sound out? I cut my, uh, mic for a second so I could cough. Sorry. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't say anything interesting. So you probably want to mark the, this, this 30 second, 30 okay. seconds here where I'm like, wait, what are we doing? So unfortunately I did the thing of just being like here. I'm handing over the reins for a second while I mute myself to cough. But this podcast well, goes well, well, the football just hit me right in the nose and now I'm bleeding. I'm sorry. Bad throw. Bad throw. Yeah. Bad throw. Bad throw. Did you like the Brady Bunch movies? They're funny. I revisited I've, them. I've, I've never seen them. Okay. Watch them and then let's talk about it. Uh, because but a, but a very Brady sequel is also funny. I think it's funnier. Oh, it's one of the rare comedy sequels that's better. I'm curious to revisit this opinion myself. The last time I revisited this opinion, I felt justified, but that was even a few years ago now. Because is that, is that the ahead. only time that's ever really worked out where there was a movie of an old TV show that was kind of a parody? Well, wait, that was I was going to say that's a parody of it that actually successful. That's what the 21 jump street movies are, but right. It's, it, it, it adds like a, a very nineties ironic kind of twist to it. So it is in that, um, not another team movie or actually more accurately, um, Josie and the pussycats where it's sort of self-aware, but at the same time, it's still the IP. Like you're still watching the Brady bunch IP kind of have fun with itself, I guess. And particularly at the time that was quite novel or new feeling, um, so I think I, I also just liked it as a kid, uh, these movies. Especially uh, in the case of the Brady Bunch, I can understand why you just can't do a straight version of that. Yeah, it's so camp and so ridiculous. I mean... Sa- same thing with, with 21 Jump Street, which is more like a trivia question. Like, what show did Johnny Depp used to star in? That's something recently, that people actually have fondness for, you know? Those movies are good, too. I, I just recommended those to a friend who was like, Oh, are those actually good? And I'm like, you know, I think, yeah. And, and history certainly continues to bear out Lord and Miller as a, as a duo who are just interested, like this in the Lego movie, like are the things of like, well, they have no right to be as good as they are. I, I didn't see Claudia with a chance of meatballs, but I understand people like that as well. So, and that was also a book That's with no narrative. So yeah, yeah I mean, actually, they're, they're, they're the king of the, uh, questionable project, which is why when they, uh, turned down the offer to do the third uh, Ghostbusters. Like that was like, oh, even they think that's a bad idea. The third Ghostbusters. 
Yeah, but before oh, right. the Dan Aykroyd got... one. Day. No, right. like the, before the but, but, but before we got Ghostbusters colon answer the call, as it's now officially known, which is such bullshit. It did not go to theaters as answer the call. This is very much like it's just a like new hope. Or, it? or, or it's like um, uh, live die repeat colon edge of tomorrow, right? Or Harley Quinn colon birds of prey, right? Yeah. In each case, it's just like they should have just had it be the first one. Trying that second one. I th- you know, less colons in movie titles because I, I can't think of any time where that's actually been not cheesy in a movie title. Remember when the first uh, Pirates of the – it was Pirates of the Caribbean colon Curse of the, Curse Black, of the Girl. Black Girl. I remember yeah. just thinking that seemed like very much like putting the car before the – I mean, obviously, like they bet right on that. But it was like, why are you saying it's a franchise? Like just right. already – I mean, it yeah. just feels like, especially for a theme park it was ride. Bold. It was yeah, bold. it was, and it's, and it more often is the kind of thing like when a one hit bun, when like a one hit wonder band puts out greatest hits volume one, mm-hmm. and you're like, I don't think there's going to be a volume two. I think you're being a bit optimistic on that. Yeah, like that. Like I feel like that is a joke of somebody's who I've half remembered. Or I remember like, when George Miller was going to make a Justice League movie. It was called Justice League Mortal. Like mm. it's it's the first Justice League movie. Why can't you just call it Justice League? I tell you, are you looking forward to the uh, the the Snyder cut? The Snyder? Did you watch uh, the theatrical Justice League movie? Uh, I did in theaters, and then I put it on as kind of visual wallpaper while I was working uh, a few months ago in quarantine, and it's. I thought it was pretty bad in a bland way in theaters, and that it's even worse when I watched it, but. I don't know why anyone thinks the Snyder cut's going to be remotely good. I think it's going to be incredibly mean spirited and fascist as all of his movies are. And I think it's going to be seen more, more tone deaf than ever right now. I'm curious. I, I think, uh, I think that's probably spot on. I will say that, yeah, my feelings on Justice League are, are similar in terms of the visual wallpaper of it too, which is what I thought it was. It's kind of redeeming quality when I saw it in theaters of like, well, you know, and I feel this way about Man of Steel that I it's a triumph of edit- it's, a tri- it's a triumph of editing, just yeah. like just like I guess you would say um, Bohemian Rhapsody. It's it's widely discussed on film Twitter that even though that has editing that can give you whiplash from like a simple dialogue scene. It would like it won the Oscar for best editing. Cause it's known within the industry that that movie was like almost unsalvageable. And the editors like made it a releasable movie mm. because which, you movie? know, justice league, but, but Bohemian Rhapsody because Brian and singer like wouldn't show up to set and he got fired and it couldn't finish filming. And so, there was that scene that was going around on Twitter where it was like count 36 cuts or whatever the number was. It was so disorienting. It was so disorienting. And it was like, there was no reason for it to be cut like that. But I think they really just, I guess the editor just had nothing to work with. And I guess it's just known within the industry that that was a uh, just production that was plagued with by disaster. And only the editor was able to work it into releasable footage that was also a very successful movie so i think they're probably rewarding it on that level yeah 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 i mean and, and that's what what justice league is where you're constantly having 
cutaways or like an insert shot where someone suddenly clearly has a different haircut or gained a lot of weight and then they lose it again. Right. And, you know, right. it's just so obvious. Uh, or, yeah. you know, what they, they've brightened up the lighting and color palette, which with costumes that weren't designed for that. So they, they look like a fan film a lot of the time. It's just it was wild how for one of the most expensive movies ever made, how cheap justice league looked. That was shocking. Even in the theaters, like you were just like, this is shot on like, they only have a little wallpaper of green screen. Why is everything this like insert shot? Everything's an insert. It felt like, uh, there's, there's times it's interesting with editing and movies. Like I caught on TV, the, TV edit part of the TV edit version of um, what is it called? Uh, Christmas party, holiday party. It was uh, Jason uh, Bateman uh, and Christmas uh, party. Office Christmas party. Yeah, and I don't know. It, it was exactly you know whatever. Like uh, you know, it feels like that's there's been that and horrible bosses and a lot of very similar kind of studio comedy approaches. Game Night being maybe one of the good Jason Bateman starring uh, uh, studio comedies of the last 10 years. But in that one in particular, I saw a scene where it's like, I'm like, I don't know that TJ Miller and Jennifer Aniston were on set at, on the same day. There's a boardroom scene where he's yelling at her, but it's all, it's just, it seems so clear that like she was there isolated. You can just sort of, you wonder sometimes with like, I maybe I wouldn't want to be uh, on set with TJ Miller either. Uh, and particularly if I'm Jennifer Aniston, maybe I've got the wherewithal to, yeah, just let's shoot my, I'll just show myself reacting. You get him doing his improv for two hours and, uh, and we're good here, but there's no reason for us to be in the same shot after this one establishing shot at the same time. That's just how you tell visual stories, but there's times it's hard to, I'm trying to find the like way to properly describe it in your head. Uh, but you kind of know it when you see it, it's easier to show visually but hey how about this audio description of it yeah i mean i remember having like watching uh the camp modern camp masterpiece triple x state um the return of xander cage i almost said state of the union um but there's a part where uh like xander cage's cue in the movie which is like this hot chick who's in her early 20s is just falling like obsessed with him and meeting him for the first time and like soaking wet and hitting on him and like, you know, not being as about the fact she wants to have sex with Vin Diesel. And they're all, uh, seem like they're like, like he thought, you know what? Would it be so like, they're not in the same shots. So it was like, would it be so funny if instead in the scene, she just couldn't keep her hands off of me. <laughs> would it be so funny? You guys. Yeah. Cause it's like no woman talks like this, especially not this one or that guy. Like, and you feel so embarrassed for the actress. You wonder, I mean, it's, it's so, I haven't seen that movie in particular, but that sort of trope is just like, how do you keep a straight, like, how do they justify this and like not feel everybody just like embarrassed. But there, there are some movies that I, uh, we're, I, I want to bring back to this, but movies that were uh, completely changed in the editing and I am dying to see the original cut of like, I think the number well, so, one, the number one for, is the RA cut of old dogs. Okay. Which was like, uh, cut down by over 20 minutes or something like a lot mm-hmm. from an R rated comedy to a PG rated Thanksgiving release, like Disney family comedy. 
Hmm. Yeah, I didn't see it. I don't know. I didn't see it, uh, but it's 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 supposedly like really horrible, and you watch it and you're like, well, "Who thought this was for kids?" But it was a movie that just mm. it, it it did so poorly in test screenings that some producer had the bright idea, like, "Well, what if we just cut out these dirty jokes and make it like a family comedy because kids don't give a shit, or parents are just desperate to have something to bring their kids to." And, or the same thing with Kangaroo Jack, which. If if that wasn't an R-rated movie, it was at least a PG-13 movie called uh, Down and Under. And it was another Tarantino ripoff comedy uh, set in Australia. And, you know, it still had the plot of some people losing money uh, because a kangaroo gets it. But someone was like, well, what if we just added in a scene where they're hallucinating that the uh, kangaroo is like a cartoon animal and then we cut out some of the more lewd humor and just repackage it as a kid's comedy kangaroo jack interesting and that's what we got that movie but the reviews will be like why is there a scene of Estella Warren like bathing in a waterfall because <laughs> that's clearly See, a holdover from when it was an, you know an adult oriented comedy gotcha I that is uh I mean, there's got to be. Uh, I, I'm. I'm not. A, this is my first time hearing of it. I'm excited to re- find uh, the profile piece to read on how that came to be. How did you? How did you learn that that story? Uh, about old dogs or uh, kangaroos? Yeah, Jack? about old dogs. Well, uh, oh, I mean, I, I've I've heard about, like every bad movie podcast I've listened to about old dogs, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it was also mentioned on Blank Check. Like as mentioned that it was shot like a couple years before it came out and put on the shelf for a while. And that also that it was edited down from an R8 movie. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, it's on Disney plus. Well, I'm curious. I'm, I'm more curious to just like, that's such a fascinating, like uh sort of thing. But I mean, incidentally to bring this back to, Actually, I want to bring it back to two things, to Justice League and Ghostbusters. Go, first of all, Ghostbusters Answer the Call is good. Um, it is genuinely the funniest of the three Ghostbusters movies. I love the Ghostbusters growing up as a kid. I liked the concept more than the movie. A lot of the movie ages quite poorly, and it's almost sort of just better sometimes as like remembered than actually seen. The new Ghostbusters was great. It was very funny throughout. I liked the the story, and that was definitely affected by editing if you read the script versus looking the uh, at the finished product is how much, you know, I think they, unfortunately, maybe uh, however it happens of studio cuts or just trying to get it to a certain amount of time. They don't have a lot of confidence in it for whatever, you know, because of the, I think that movie was 2016. Yes. I think that movie was part of the culture war erupting. That was like Ghostbusters was one of the first. It felt you know, it was a culture clash thing uh, and became almost sort of like a a cause to be against or for. It became this odd battleground and lost in it was is a good movie. Paul Feig directed a good movie. The performances are funny. The script is great. The villain is great. It's a movie that I think maybe hopefully people will return to and revisit at some point with less you know, projection onto it of what it has to be. And just more appreciative, like, especially compared to, I I would say the, on, on the, on the level of studio comedy, you have to be comparing it to other studio. It's contemporary other comedies. It's 
for my money, you know, more so than an office Christmas party or a, um, it's no game. It's no game night. Game night's all right. Oh, Uh, I really liked game night. I guess I just, I, I like when a movie is also, maybe I just like the special effects. I like when a movie feels kind of big. It's sort of, I like a blockbuster, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's right. I like I like all kinds of things, but I'm just I'm realizing that like I'm saying, oh well, I don't go out of my way to see horror movies really, and I like I like films. I think I like some films, but also sometimes I'm just bored. What, how, do you, like how do you feel about the Ghostbusters movie that would have come out by now? The that the, looks, the, the strangest yeah. things knockoff one. That one is probably not for me is what I'm guessing is it looks like it's going to be above all, not particularly funny. Uh, that could just the, be the, judging can, the, the canonically Ghostbusters three. Yeah. And that, which if they had made it, I like the Ghostbusters three idea of hell in New York. I, they didn't make it when they had sort of the window of opportunity. They didn't make it with the Chris Farley window of opportunity. It's, it became the video game. Like oh, what's the video game? The, 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 the like the PS3 game in particular. Did you play that one? I didn't play the. Actually, you know what? I think. Well, either way, I bought it for the Switch, the PS3 port to the Switch. Mm-hmm. But I played it for half an hour before dropping it. It just uh, again, maybe at the time it would have been more impressive, but sort of now the controls felt kind of clunky. The graphics were weird. The it's their voices, and it's sort of exciting. But How obnoxious is that helicopter, by the yeah. way? You, is it? You mean Gyrobot? Oh, yeah. How, how about that Gyrobot? Yeah. Yikes. I just want to throw a fastball specialized so Wolverine can rip into it with his claws. Oh, but on Justice League, uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's going to be good. I don't know if I'm ready oh, to I'll watch make it. any <laughs> I'm going to definitely watch it, but I will say that I think it's going to be absolutely better than the, uh, than the justice league theatrical cut. And, um, like I was never calling for the Snyder cut. I'm just glad I'm, but I am sort of, I'm, I'm glad I will be watching it. I'm glad to see that it, it's, it sucks. The the circumstance in which he had to step back from it. And also Joss Whedon sucks like way more. That dude has essentially been, it seems like getting like blacklisted. Like his next one's going to have to be an independent one with Mel Gibson, or something because he was fired from the Batgirl set. Like there's definitely like a me too hanging over Joss Whedon. Well, I mean, he, he uh, at some point he, that he, 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 he respectfully there's, there's, stepped there's away shit. from his upcoming HBO show, but it, it very mm-hmm. much had the same air of when um, John Lasseter is, you know what? I just think it would be a good time for me to step away from Pixar. Right. Exactly. Un, un, completely unrelated to the allegations going around about me. I think I need to spend more time with my They're family. very similar tones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's uh, yeah. Listen, I, I know, I know what you've heard about me, but uh, it's just, it's just not true. I just need a more of a vacation. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, anyway, I think man of steel is, I, I I think the, those movies are pretty good. I think they're at least as good as the Marvel equivalent. Honestly, I think they're as you know any criticism for the Steiner movies in terms of being mean spirited and fascist. To me, those also absolutely apply to the Disney Marvel movies. It's got a more upbeat tone, uh, but I like the I, you know the 
the Superman action uh, just feels cool. Like I, I think, uh, and the creative choices that, that people had, including myself issues with, I find myself more forgiving on a rewatch. I just care less, I guess. Like I, I think, uh, you know, I'm just sort of like letting it be what it is. I'm thinking in particular of the, the choice in man of steel with, uh, Kevin Costner's pa Kent, you know, dying for Clark to keep his secret of superpowers. Cause he doesn't want him to be exposed to the scrutiny and, uh, and, and, and hate that he does receive, you know, that he, that, is act and it's it's just it's like yeah that's not the pocket that you know and you want a sweeter kinder superman but you can also see the the idea here was to sort of build this arc between man of steel batman versus superman and justice league which was supposed to be like the uh, you know the death and return kind of thing with um i don't know i mean it's definitely very superman learned to be a good person like, but I don't want, I don't want yeah. to watch that. That seems antithetical to his character. Like what I like about the character, you know? I agree with learn that. Learn how he learned well. not to, to be a, that a neck breaking sadist. <laughs> well, yeah. So not, I'm not defending that in, in terms of like what, how I would necessarily write a Superman movie, right? It's not what I would do. I'm just saying that that arc is completely lost uh, uh, by not having. Right him continue it with just like instead it is just this very bizarre it just feels like it's completely unrelated to what came before minus the death and return bit uh so i'm I'm someone who really likes earnestness uh in my action movies uh, which is a huge part of the appeal of the fast and the furious series for me i mean those movies are Mm -hmm. not what i thought they would be I, I mix with that they, it would be just like such a gooping, bloody earnestness. I know how much everybody loves the fast food. They're big in the, I, I the LA comedy that. scene. Yeah, they're they're huge, and I've uh, well, I mean, I think people just love it in general. Well, right? I mean, like I, I think that, like, I, 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 it's a multi-tier cultural love. But I, I do feel like I it's huge with POC, but I know very few white people outside of the LA comedy community who who watch mm. those movies at all. Gotcha. Interesting. I feel like they're um because, for me it was I for me it was just like, oh, it's car, like I don't see car movies in general. Same. Like I just haven't seen a lot of car movies. Uh and so when I started hearing around Fast Five that they were good, it, it started to get on my radar but then i i've just uh now it seems like i'm so behind i don't know where to to begin everyone's always like well start at the first one you can maybe skip the next two uh definitely do four and then five and then you're off i I explained to me like like fast five is very much like the avengers of the movie in that with the fourth one it was like well we brought back the four principal cast members from the original and the fifth one was like what if we just brought back almost everyone who was in a fast and furious movie and that's cool. And the fourth one, when they brought them back, it was like they brought them back for this because it was almost like the cast said, well, we'll come back, but it's not going to be silly stuff this time. So it has this kind of dour Michael Mann tone that they never used again in the series because it doesn't work with it. And five brings everyone back, but it's like a soft reboot and it has a very fat, like light in its feet tone that feels very consistent with the MCU. And that was from where it kind of became something that barely had anything to do with racing and was more about, 
more like an off-brand Mission Impossible series, like about this mm. team of mercenaries that, you know, travel the world and save it. I mean, they, they, in, the, in the latest one, they literally stop a nuclear missile from going off. I mean, this is totally my kind of it's, thing. Like, or, I, or I, you know, a friend of mine, he just said, Fate of the Furious is like the best G.I. Joe movie ever made. I'm like, that's a great way to describe that series and the appeal of it. It's like if a G.I. Joe movie would like actually, because those G.I. Joe movies were bad. And on one hand, I think, well, how like how good was this ever going to be? But I'm thinking, well, it still could have been more fun than that. I'll tell you what, I'm going to I'm going to actually do it this you can time. Start with, you then... can start with five. I, I watch all of them chronologically, but you can skip straight to five and then watch the first four later. If you have an appreciation for the series for context, because you do see them figuring out who, what the character's personalities are or how, like who to pair up or what elements to keep or which elements to take out. I'll tell you what, I'm going to do it. And then even though plenty of ink and words have been spilled about it, who cares? Come back. When, when we do this again, let's talk. Oh, fast hell yeah. Furious. However, I'm wondering, have you been watching? Cause this also applies to Cobra Kai. I'm wondering if uh, you No, I, I definitely want to. And I, I don't think I've next time we're going to talk about and fast and furious and, De- and Kobe Kai, which, I, which I, think, I also have to watch the karate yeah. kid because i've never seen it and i understand it's like creed and that you don't have to have seen rocky but really just fucking watch rocky is what i tell people i would so here's my recommendation similar with creed and rocky is like i i would strongly suggest watching rocky and then yeah, and creed. i will definitely watch um, the karate kid watch the karate kid watch cobra kai and then you're going to want to go back for the sequels because uh, similar to what you're saying with them, like bringing everything back by the end of the third season, they've brought back almost every character from the, like the core karate kid one through like, three. I heard they brought back uh, uh, Elizabeth Shue in the latest season. Yep. Yeah. They, they, Elizabeth Shue is like the, the big one who after, I mean, even mostly by season one, you're like, okay, aside from Pat Morita, who's yeah. past, who's, no longer with us is uh it's every other you know living actor the way that they treat mr miyagi i think is pretty good although what i'm waiting for however is to what they haven't been so good on i think particularly by the end of the third season is like it starts it certainly starts off with uh with um poc characters front and center particularly with like the young cast the the rest being returning from the 80s movie would be all white characters by the end of the third season that seems to have even by the end of the sec, even even by the beginning of the second season i will say one of the frustrating things is the way in which the the series sort of loses its its uh track with miguel its new protagonist character the new karate kid essentially uh he's you know he's this like earnest kid with braces he's he you know he's he's just a kid in the valley who's on kind of a similar journey as uh as uh, Daniel in the original Karate Kid. But what happens as the series continues to go is it almost starts to, it's like it's breathing its own farts a little bit uh, where it's, it's, I'm curious to break it down with you because Ashton and I've talked about it. I kind of, I want to unpack Cobra Kai further because it is good. And right now I think what you're hearing is like Cobra Kai is one of those series that's better than it has any right to be. And that's fair, maybe, because, you know, the mar- at the, the same time, I don't know. The Will- flagship title of YouTube Red. It's produced by Will Smith. It is? It, you know, it's 
It is because it's, I think YouTube red, cause they also have red table talk. And I think they're, they've, I'm pretty sure they, as producers have, and also because of the Karate Kid reboot was, oh, right. they probably well, well I was going to say like, would they, would they introduce Jackie Chan or perhaps Hillary Swank, who's now out of the show? This is, that's what I want. I I'm, I'm waiting for, they have not yet brought in characters, but Hillary Swank makes a ton of sense for one, because she's she, the she, only she, other she, student she, of she, Mr. Yeah, Miyagi. Yeah. She makes sense. She's the only other character who would know Miyagi. And then I would absolutely like, they should bring in Jaden and, uh, and, uh, I think you could easily explain Jackie Chan as I forget even. I didn't, I didn't see a movie. So I don't even know if it takes place in the same universe as the other movies. I think it, well, it's definitely in a different universe. I, Cause I think Jackie Chan is oh, Mr. Miyagi, is? but that seems, I he, think, well, he, I, without well, looking I it up, the movie, I, I think even in foreign territories, it was called the Kung Fu Kid, which is what he's actually learning. It's in China, isn't it? Like, it should be called the Kung. I think, but so. I think they changed it in America for just the Karate Kid, but for name recognition. That is probably right. It's just like it was originally the movie's called Rise of the Apes, but in case it thought people didn't know that it was related to the planet, they solicited. Rise of the planet, Wait a rise minute. of the planet of the apes, which the two of the is a real mouthful. So okay, I just looked it up because I have not seen it. Also, it looks good, and it's the only Karate Kid movie that I haven't seen. So that's another one going on the watch list. Uh, but no, this is totally in universe because there's no anything. It's it's uh, Jaden Smith plays Dre Parker and Jackie Chan plays Mr. Han. Mm-hmm. So. The way that they they wouldn't maybe have an immediate connection to the San Fernando Valley, but they could easily find a way to work that in. Uh, you um, know, they could have uh, working characters from that Brisk commercial that Ralph Macchio was in <laughs> as Daniel. There's a good interview around on YouTube I should share with you of uh, Pat Morita talking about getting the role of uh, Miyagi because he was a he was a comic in LA you know he was like but he was sort of feeling like he was going to only be typecast forever as the uh, role that he had in Happy Days which was uh, a comic actor and um, how they like they did like a nationwide search they were looking at every other Japanese American they could possibly find that could potentially be Mr. Miyagi instead of Pat Morita who they dismissed again and again and again but he kept putting himself sort of forward for it and finally got it and uh seeing him in the interviews, it's frustrating that this series couldn't have been made with him. You'd, you'd love to see how, cause Miyagi's character is such the, the like breakout star appeal, but it's also in this, you know, it's again, it's, it's an, it's a, it's a strange thing as you like look at racism in particular in movies, I, I'm finding of like, well, it's offensive maybe that they made him do the voice at the same time. He, the voice is his creation it's he's you know it's we talked to i feel like i talked about we talked about this even a little bit before i'm now half remembering but it's a uh it's a weird it's a thing that i wish that uh rita himself was around to have a direct impact on that on the show to be able to move that character in different directions than he was ever afforded to in the space of uh in the actual movies where he's very much the archetype throughout the rate, you know, the rate of just like he's Asian. So he has mystical moves, yeah. uh, which is in gremlins. It's, it's in, the, in, it's in the new I mean, Mulan. It's in, it's in Yoda. Yoda is that character. 
maybe not baby Yoda because he's just a baby, but uh, but actual Yoda is, you know, it just it gets away with it by being a green alien. But um, seems like it's definitely like drawing from that as well. At least just in, again, just in the the broadest archetype of like mystical. So it, of course, like it invoke it like. No, I, I I understand I understand Yoda's connection to that trope, but I think there's a huge difference between that and the other the racial othering of like the aliens in the Star Wars prequels, like with the yeah. Nemoid, like with the right. Nemoidians, you know, the viceroys, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, gosh, what's his name? Not Greedo, Watto. but uh, Watto. Thank you so much. Yeah, Watto just ridiculous who's been a big help to griffin newman's career oh is that uh he, yes, he, i gotta listen to more podcasts so i know what i'm like, like he, he had a, a ucb show where he would be in character as watto and he and he'd like have <laughs> he'd wear the fairy wings and he had this little like animal elephant nose that he would put on a lot of this podcast is just gonna be me accidentally bumping to be like oh yeah that was an idea for a podcast I already did this sort of made this observation in a much better way. Everybody's made all of my observations or any, but whatever, whatever. I also, that's just true. Also, I can't believe we've been talking for an hour. I feel like we should wrap it up. I feel like we have some, we have some good um, media homework yeah, yeah. Uh, that I'm interested in. I'm curious about uh, checking out the fast food reason. I feel like this is just the, and also I'll let you know how I do on this waking up super early tomorrow. going to be, I'll be up at Daniel time if I'm on the road by 4.30 to drive her to where she needs to go. Whew. But I can do it because now this is it. I, I have, I, 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 then I'm good for the day. It's, I, this is what I needed to do today. A couple other things. We can do it. How you feeling? I feel like a good place uh, yeah, to wrap up or I'm, anything that we left on the cover. This is fun to you talk, do. dude. Did you I have a good time? Do you think this sounds like a podcast, like what we did? Because I'm not going to edit it. No, like, we, we can keep it. it fuck it. Yeah. It's good, right? There's some pauses and ums fine. or jokes and maybe botch, but, you know. I think I on the whole, it, I think it's. We're just grand to curve listener. Yeah, I think I think anybody that's listening to this, which is nobody. We're all breaking here, listener. so. Thank you for being here, Daniel. I'll plug your stuff in the outro, but I'm going to mute you so we can get on out of here. All right, guys. Uh, in the link below, you can follow Daniel on Twitter and on Instagram and also follow Yay LA Mag. Here is Play Us Out. Talk time. This is Colors. This has been a grand party with me. should mention that you should subscribe to this show you should please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts hey give us a rating on uh wherever you do that apple Podcasts. rate us five stars send me an email it's my name grant at gmail.com tell me if you're listening to the show and probably book yourself on it if we're talking and if you're listening in 2022 this is what it was like 